Happy Easter, or like I talked to you, uh, somebody today, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. There you go. That's our, our uh, I don't know, I guess more spiritual response to Easter rather than thinking Easter bunnies and things like that. We, uh, we want to declare that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Turn. There we go. All right. Well, it's so good to be with you online for the most part, uh, except for those that were uh, brought into, uh, come and put on our service and make sure that we could broadcast to you today. It has been uh, just a pleasure just to hear the testimonies, uh, Lori, such a beautiful testimony and the worship this morning to really be able to uh, sing and declare with our voices in song who God is, what he means to us, and what he's done for us. It's just been so beautiful to be together today. Uh, and I hope you've enjoyed it and you've been blessed so far. Um, so when it comes to Easter, uh, and it comes to Easter morning, and it comes to this service and how much time we have left in our service, considering it is almost 10 to 11 already, we've just been flying through. So I promise I want to speak to you truth, God's word. I want to speak to you truth in God's word in a good time so that we're not just here all the way to lunch in case you put something in the oven uh, to be ready for when you got home. Or if you're at home and you're wondering, how do I manage watching this and be in the kitchen at the same time making a nice Easter lunch? Um, I promise I'm going to move along with good speed. Because Christ is risen, and he is risen indeed, today is a day of victory. Today is a day we celebrate who Jesus is and what he has done. But when we look at it, and when we talk about the whole idea of, of, of Easter, and what this season means, what Friday means, and what Sunday means, it makes us think of life, and how life throws at us impossible circumstances, doesn't it? where there's impossible things that we face that seem like there's no way for us to deal with that situation. It's over, it's done with, there's no turning back, there's no moving forward, there's no working through it, until suddenly there is a way, until suddenly the situation changes. Paradigm shifting moments, such as running a mile in under four minutes. That's a paradigm shift I know I will never experience myself, right? Maybe, maybe you will, but I will not run a mile in under four minutes. Um, unless I'm on a horse and the horse is doing the running, then I think I can accomplish it no problem. Or a human walking on the moon, being on another planet or rock outside of our atmosphere. Who would have thought that was possible until it was? Or a way to connect the entire world together in real time. You watching this service online in real time right now. Who would have thought we could do this? Who would have thought somebody across the world on the other side of the world could be watching this at this exact moment and hearing what we're doing? Who would have thought children could find the laundry basket with their dirty clothes? Who would have thought the impossible could actually happen? All of these things deemed impossible, improbable, until they aren't. Yet all these breakthroughs, they happen with pushing, right? They happen when you push into new areas of possibility. They don't happen just by happenstance or by, by fluke or anything like that. It happens when you push hard against something. Now, Easter Sunday is the story of two realities 
that share that same feeling, yet supernaturally, it shifts. It's a story of what happens when hope dies, when our hope hung on a cross. But it's also the story of when our hero conquers death. And it always seems like there's tragedy right before triumph, doesn't it? It always seems, you know, like the sayings, it's always darkest before the dawn. And those, those sayings have, have meaning because in our lives, we really experience those things. And even though Jesus had said he was going to die, he had literally told his disciples what was about to happen. Even though, or maybe not even though, because the fact that Jesus rose his friend Lazarus from the dead, Right? Because of these things, and in spite of these things, there was this growing belief that Jesus was able to do the impossible. He could do amazing things for others. He could heal the sick. He could find the lost. He could bring life to the dead. They were believing in him. Jesus was saying and doing the impossible. And then... He was killed. And while being killed, what was the accusation that was pitted against him? They said in Luke 23, we read it, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. But there's nothing, there's nothing earth shattering. There's nothing amazing about being able to save just yourself. If Jesus had to come off that cross, which he had the full ability and power to do, if he had to come off that cross to save himself, what would have been accomplished in that moment? Sure, Jesus would have been alive. He wouldn't have been killed. He would have been, he would have been able to uh, establish some type of rule and reign, but it would have, would have been a rule and reign of force rather than what he came to bring. The powerful, they crush the powerless. Kings rule harshly over their subjects. But that's not this story. That's not the story of who Jesus is and what he came to do. See, in order for there to be a different ending to this type of story, what was needed was something brand new. You see, God for us meant God doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Jesus dies the death that we deserve to give us something that we could never earn ourselves. In Hebrews 8, 13, it says this, in speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what was becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. And what was that old covenant? That old covenant that showed exactly the fact that we couldn't do enough. We couldn't be good enough. We needed a sacrifice for our sins. The old law pushed us and showed us that there was nothing that we could do and be in ourselves that was going to allow us into God's presence by our own work. And when Jesus came to bring in that new covenant, he made a way for us to do it. The death of Jesus that we deserve. It can be often painted as injustice, can't it? That, that he died this, this death that he didn't deserve. And it was a tragedy and it, was, it shouldn't have happened. And, and there was, there was this, this non-fairness to it. Maybe we want to object like, 
like Peter did when, when Jesus had told him about his death. And he's like, Master, no, we'll never let that happen. We'll never let them take you. We'll never let you face that type of injustice because you don't deserve that. The imagery and movies and pictures that we see often can show his suffering. And it leaves us seeing this as a tragedy. Like, this, this was done to Jesus. But let's make one thing clear. Whatever you think of Easter, know this. Jesus was not a victim. Listen to how Jesus shares with his disciples before his death in John 10. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Jesus wasn't a victim. Jesus chose to pay that penalty. Jesus embraced going to the cross for you, for me, for humanity. But because the resurrection was so abnormal, self-resurrection was way beyond comprehension. They could barely wrap their heads around the fact that Lazarus came out of the grave. They could barely understand how that was possible, how somebody who had been prepared for, for death, had been buried, had all the, the ointments and all the, the things, that, the perfumes and things they would put on a body, how he was even starting to smell, not like the perfumes, but smell bad. And yet here he was coming out of the grave. They could barely wrap their heads around somebody who had the power to do that for somebody else to call them out of the grave, let alone for somebody who was dead to be able to raise themselves. The first response was unbelief. When hope died, when Jesus died, their hope was crushed. But here's the thing. This is the great part of this. If the story isn't good, that means that God isn't done. Can you hear that today? If your story isn't yet good, that means God is not yet done. God was doing something new. In the defining moment, this new moment that convinces the disciples, convinces the early writers that we have of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that convinces doubting Thomas and Mary and even Jesus' brother who had not been in on this whole he's the Messiah thing the whole time, that Jesus was who he says he was, it's Resurrection Sunday. Perhaps this Sunday, the claims of Christianity are hard for you to believe. Let me tell you, you're in good company. Even those who first followed him found it hard to believe. Listen to what it says in Luke. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. And they had found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, confused about this, disappointed about this, not knowing what to do about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. 
And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other woman with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale. They did not believe them. Jesus had told them it was going to happen. They remembered the words of Jesus. And now they have somebody saying, listen, the tomb's empty. He's not there anymore. And two angelic people were standing there and they told us, do you remember what Jesus said he would have to do? Guess what? It happened. And now he's alive again. And they still, in the midst of that, were like, I don't know. Hope. Hope had died on that cross for them. Perhaps you're like Mary. The grease of loss, the grief of loss in your life has you lost and confused. In another account, Mary's there and she's distraught and she goes to a gardener asking what have they done with the body of Jesus. Her grief, her loss, the brokenness she was facing, she couldn't even see the fact that she was talking to Jesus. Perhaps you're like that and you're unable to see Jesus alive in front of you right now. Perhaps you're like Peter and you chose to believe that you are defined by what you do. But hear me today. Jesus says to you and to Peter, you are not only one who betrays, but you are one who belongs. It doesn't matter if you feel like you've turned your back on Jesus. It doesn't matter if you feel like you haven't lived up to what Jesus expects from you. You still belong. Rest in him. Perhaps you're like Thomas, where you have doubts. And our enemy is not masterful at reordering the words of declaration to become deconstructing questions. Where Jesus said, it is written. Satan says, is it written? Satan is the father of lies. So anytime you see lies or half-truths being spread and propagated, the kingdom of darkness is inspiring and encouraging it. Not the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of light. The resurrected Jesus for us means we are, de- we are defined by newness. Listen to this. We are promised a new heart in Ezekiel 36. We are promised a new birth in John 3. We are promised to be a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5. We are promised new life in Romans 6. 
We are promised that God will give us new desires in Galatians 5. We are promised to be born into a new family in Mark 3. We have a new and common enemy that we now face, and it doesn't look like any other human because it's not in Luke 21. We see that we serve in a new way by the Spirit, not by law or by code in Romans 7. We were given a new hope when Jesus rose from the dead in 2 Peter 3. We are promised something new in Jesus because he is risen. 2 Peter 3, but according to his promise, we are awaiting for new heavens and a new earth which is within which righteousness dwells. Dean Van Faro, he lays out what this new hope is not for us. It is not just an evacuation, just getting by until God brings us home. That's not what this new life is. It's not just an explanation where we say, well, I know, I know, it doesn't make sense right now, but one day God will explain it all to us. That's not what this new hope is. And it's not just compensation. You know, it's not just whatever isn't good. God will make it up to you in the next life, in the next era, the next, the rest of eternity. That's not what this new hope is. That's not what we hold on to. An exit plan, a future explanation, and compensation in the future. That's not what we hold on to. It's better than each and every one of those things and the sum of all of those things combined together. Listen to Revelation 21. It says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this, this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Being new, making all things new. You know what it doesn't mean? It doesn't mean healed. It doesn't mean fixed. It doesn't mean repaired. It means new, as if it never happened in the first place. Are we worn down? Are we broken? Are we diseased? Are we facing things that we don't know how we'll ever overcome? In Christ, when we are made new, it's not just that that cricked knee, you know, doesn't hurt anymore, but you're still like just making it. You are new as if you never had those problems in the first place. That is a part of the hope we hold on to. That he renews all things. Not just patches it up and makes it good, but renews it. Easter Sunday is the story of two realities happening at the same time. It's the story of what happens when hope dies, but our hero conquers death. There's only one king who lays down his life and also rises again to conquer sin, Satan, death, hell, 
and the grave. Why do I believe this is true? The same God who is faithful to Israel to bring them to a land of promise. That's who said that. It's the same God who is faithful to send humanity his son. It was the same God who promised death and resurrection and accomplished those things. Is the same God who promises to one day make all things new. So today, you can keep leaning into those tired stories. Or you can join with Jesus in the renewal of all things, including you. You can join God for us. Today, whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, God wants you to join with him. In Romans 8, it says this, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword or pandemic? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Today, hope may have died for you, but guess what? A hero has risen and conquered death and sin in the grave. Let hope rise again. Let your faith in a God who loves you and cares for you and wants to be with you forever, carry you. Today, if you're online and you're watching, if you're in this room and you're listening, if you're watching this later on our, on our, our, our podcast and you're hearing it and you're saying, I need that hero. I need that hope. Today, just ask for Jesus. Ask him to be Lord of your life. Ask him to carry you. Ask him to begin making all things new in your life today. God, we ask you for that. We pray that you would be not just the author and the beginner of our faith, but also the, the finisher of it, God, that we would remain in you through all things, God. That nothing in this life could deter us from putting our hope, our faith, our trust, our love, our obedience, our sacrifice, our service, our futures in your hands. 
we also lay down our brokenness before you, God. We lay down our striving for our own things and our own ways. God, we lay down our guilt, our shame. We lay it all down before you, God. So that we can see that when hope died on that cross, it was for a reason. It's to cover all of that, to allow us to be that new creation in you, to have our own resurrection story of the death in us being brought back to life because of you. God, we receive that salvation. Every day we hang on to what you give us in that new life. Thank you for this, Jesus. Church, also this morning, we want to live in this new salvation, this new hope, this new life that we have in him. And we want to just lean into what God is doing. And this isn't the Easter any of us expected or wanted. This isn't the experience that any of us were looking forward to. But it's the experience that we've been given. And in the midst of this experience, I encourage you, I challenge you, I ask you to lean into what God has for us in this season to take this whole idea of Easter and what it means, that the story isn't finished, that death doesn't win, that sin doesn't conquer, that Jesus wasn't a victim, to take that victory that we have in him and say, you know what, in this season, this is still a victory for Jesus because his kingdom cannot be stopped. He is continually moving forward with his plan of salvation. And I'm going to lean into the victory that he's bringing, not the, the defeat that seems like I'm facing. So whether, whether the pandemic and the shutdown have got you just feeling like you want to raise a white flag or, or, or stand up in rebellion, I ask you not to do the, either of those things, but to instead lean into your king. Lean into your hero and say, God, I am with you because you are about to do a new thing in this place and nothing we are facing could conquer that, defeat that, and anything that comes against it is a lie of the enemy. That's taking the declaration that you said it is finished and changing it and saying, is it finished? It is finished. Church, we declare that today. It is finished. The work of the cross is accomplished. The freedom that we all need and the freedom that we can walk in and the freedom that we can bring to Cornwall as we walk in love with Jesus to declare that He is risen. He is risen indeed.